Thank you for those songs. That's good to enjoy good music at Christmas time. And we have a lot of great songs that have been written throughout the years. I was curious to note that, uh, just kind of look at the history of the Christmas carols and most of the ones we have that we sing, really the most loved ones were written in the 1700s at the start of our country. Oh, come all you faithful. And then there were some that were into the 1800s, early 1800s, Silent Night was early 1800s. And then there was some written during the time of the Civil War, which was Oh Holy Night that was sung. And then the one we did earlier, Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And so we have this heritage of songs and um, the most important part is presenting the truth of uh, the message and then uh, the blessing of having a good tune to go along with that and a good tune that uh, doesn't try to overpower it or overrule it. There's a need for that. Uh, good music in our world today. I listened to our AFR station. They played a couple of days of Christmas music this last time. I listened to it time to time and I can only do it for about two or three minutes, and uh, just the songs coming out today is just hard for me to listen to. They try to put the just all of this rock and roll beat on every song. It just ruins it to me and uh, totally competes with the message. And, but uh, we have some great songs that have been written throughout the, the years, and uh, some recently, and there's a need for some good songs to be, to be written in celebrating God's works among us. All right, let's look at our scripture. We are in the book of Luke, chapter 2, and verse 36. Well, we'll look at this elderly lady named Anna and look at her testimony. As we're looking at those who understood the coming of Jesus at his birth, uh, the, among the small group of people who did, uh, we're looking at those, uh, the shepherds being the first group, and then Simeon, this elderly man who had a great testimony of being in tune with the work of God and, and how God blessed him and revealed things to him. And then we have, then along with Simeon, here at the temple at the same time, when Jesus was brought in, uh, around on the on day 40 that was a part of the law that uh, every uh, woman who had a, a male child was to bring an offering to God for that at the 40th day for a male and 80 days for a female and so Joseph and Mary are coming into the temple at that time at 40th day and that's the context of Simeon then taking up Jesus in his arms and proclaiming him as the Messiah. And then after that, we have Anna, a prophetess, who also speaks of him. So verse 36 says, Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. 
And so we're going to look at the testimony of Anna here in her life, which is a powerful testimony and a very important testimony of a truth for us today. Uh, just some uh, talk about the details of her before we get into the truths of her life. Uh, uh, her name was Anna, and in the uh, Hebrew, that was Hannah. And so it corresponds with, with that. Anna is the Greek form. And, and so it's just really the same name as the Old Testament, Hannah. She is called a prophetess. And we have a few women in the Bible called prophetesses. And we don't talk about that a lot. And uh, they're probably questions of well, what does that mean? Who is that? And we always find the answer whenever something first occurs in the Bible. We find the answers of what it is about. And we find the first prophetess being Miriam. And her role was to be a leader and teacher of the women. And she is seen there in Exodus that after God led them across the Red Sea and Moses praised God with a song of how God delivered them from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. After that, it says Miriam led out the women in praising, and she repeated the praise that Moses had given, and she led the women in singing those praises to God, and she was the leader of the women. And that's what a prophetess was. She was a leader and teacher of women, much like parallel in Titus 2, where the older women are told to be teachers of the younger women. And so it's a, 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 a lady who is a spiritual leader for, the other, for other ladies. And that's what Anna was. And she had come to that place through a life of learning a very important lesson and living out a wonderful testimony to the glory of God. That came through a life of difficulty and adversity where she lived many, many years as a widow. Uh, it says that she was married for seven years and then her husband died. And then at that point, there's some question about whether she was, uh, this, this phrase here, she was a widow of 84 years either means that she was 84 years old at this time or that she had been a widow for 84 years. And the phrase there in the, in the text really can go either ways, and you'll see it, I believe, translated in different ways in different translations. But I would want to just point out that I lean toward the latter that it's meaning that she was a widow of 84 years since the seventh year of her marriage when her husband died, and that would be 91. And then if she was married, if you say around 20, that would be she would be 111 years old. And I think that fits the context better. I lean toward that, even though we can't know for sure, we can't say for sure. But the phrase that is mentioned of her in verse 36, that she was of a great age, I think points to the fact that she was most likely over 100 years old. Because uh, earlier in Luke, the first chapter when it refers to Elizabeth, it says she was well advanced in years. 
But here of Anna, it says she was of a great age. And I think that just fits when we talk about, if you talk about somebody who's 100, you say, wow, they're a great age. I think it fits better that phrase, that terminology, rather than if a person's 84, you just say, well, they're in their you know, older years, she's an older lady. You might not say she's of a great age. I think it fits better if she, that, that of her being over 100. So I lean toward that, that Anna was over 100 and perhaps 110, 111 years old at this time and had lived many, many years. The point, though, we do know is that she had lost her husband uh, after seven years of marriage when she was a young woman. Her husband died and she's left a widow. And she goes the rest of her life as a widow. Now, and then we have this testimony of, of such strength and such faithfulness to the Lord and service to the Lord. And that is a great testimony for us. For Anna has this testimony out of great adversity and great loss. And you think about a uh, you know, young lady who gets married and, and, and is looking forward to her whole life and all the joys and the expectations for the future. And then and seven years later, while they're still a young married couple, she loses her husband and she stays a widow then for the rest of her life. A lot of people would not handle that very well. And that's perhaps one of the the greatest losses you can have in your life. This situation we have at Anna ranks up there high with the, one of the most difficult situations you can have in life, along with other losses of close family members, a child, so to speak. But a loss of, of, for a young married lady to lose her husband, to be widowed all that time, was a, was a great loss. It was a, a situation of great adversity. And the way we see honor respond to that is a great lesson for us, and it presents a great truth in life, is what I want to emphasize today. But think about uh, the position she was in, that uh, she had great need, and that many uh, would have responded badly to this, this situation, but we see Anna here give a great testimony of devotion to the Lord. And what we see in her life is, uh, verse 37, is that she did not depart from the temple, but serve God with fastings and prayers night and day. In her widowhood, she had dedicated her life to serving God. But the first thing I want to mention here, and the first thing I think we can take away from her life is, Anna demonstrated that her relationship with God was the most important thing in her life. And her relationship with God was bigger and more to her, and it is more in life than her adversity, than all of her problems, all of her difficulties. It was more important than having a marriage relationship was having a relationship, a closer relationship with God. And Anna demonstrates that, and it's a great lesson for all of us. And it's a great lesson I want to press to you younger ones in your life as you look forward to the future. 
Anna has a great testimony here uh, regarding this and a purpose that she found in life. So first, let's think about Anna's relationship with God gave her strength for her adversity. She lost her husband unexpectedly, and now she was a widow who had great need. She sought God in her adversity to find strength and to find provision. And she went to the right place. She allowed her problems to drive her toward God rather than allow her problems to make her turn away from God. And this is something that plays out over and over in life, and it's a very fundamental lesson in life. I've seen it in the time I've had in serving as a pastor and working with people. I've seen problems come into people's lives, and it results in one of two things. They rarely stay the same. And I would almost go to the point of saying a person never stays the same. They are, they are impacted some way, and they either, they either draw closer to God in their adversity, or they turn away from God and go away from Him. And there have been many, many young ladies who had lost a husband, as Anna did, and they turned their back on God. They got mad at God and said, why, God, would you allow this to happen? You don't care. I mean, some even, we know people's lives, there have been some that would uh, reject God saying, well, if you allow this to come in my life, then I can't believe in you anymore. I can't serve you. There's been many people who have responded that way, both men and women, many situations. But that has been the, the, the response of many uh, of young ladies found in that same situation. That wasn't the response of Anna. What do we see her doing? We see her spending every day in the temple. The temple was the place of God's presence. That was an act of going toward God, of drawing close to God. She uh, spent her life seeking to draw close to God. And she found that manifested in the temples the way it was manifested then in the Old Testament times, at that time uh, in Israel. And she was seeking God's presence in her life every day by going to the temple. That's a great lesson for us of how to deal with adversity. How to deal with problems. Is that when the problems come, and mark this down, here's a great, also a lesson from Anna's life. You don't know what the future holds for you. And you don't know what unexpected things are coming down the road for you. That's just the way life is. It's, there's no guarantees, and this world is under the curse of sin, which means there's loss and there's death and there's problems and there's sickness. And none of us has any guarantee that in this next year, in the years ahead, that some tragedy won't come to our life. And you can mark it down for you younger ones. I just think about the point I am in my life and I look back when I was starting out as a young adult, and then the things that I've experienced and the losses that I have experienced, things that I didn't anticipate, things that I didn't think about 
might come. And I've not really experienced them on a, on a great, great level, but I've had losses. And as you, in your young years, young adult years, you can just mark it down. There's going to be adversity coming in the days ahead. You're going to experience losses. When that happens, remember Anna's testimony and her example that you go to God and don't go away from Him. Run to God for your help and your strength. God's not the one that sent the problem. The problem has come because we have brought sin into the world. We're really to blame. Many people get hung up on that and say, well, if there's such a good God, then why are there so many problems in the world? God's not the source of those problems. God's working to overcome those problems. And the big solution to that is Jesus coming and being born into the world as the Savior and the light to guide us and turn us away from our sin and save us and to direct us in the right way and then to uh, bring His kingdom on the earth. God's working to solve the problems in the world. But He's letting things run their course. And that means there's going to be losses, there's going to be sicknesses, and there's going to be problems. There's going to be young ladies who lose their husbands and become widows. That's just the reality of life. The question is, how are you going to react when that happens to you? And Anna's example is, is, is uh, great here, is that she went to God in her problems and sought Him and His presence in her adversity rather than turning from God and uh, rejecting faith in Him. That's a great lesson from Anna, is that she looked to God she got closer to God in her adversity and, and rather than moving away from Him. The second thing is, and I think this is the, uh, one of the greatest, really the, the, the greatest lesson that comes out of her life that I want to emphasize today, is that Anna learned and demonstrated that her relationship with God was the greatest purpose of her life over all other relationships. Her purpose became, in her widowhood, and we don't know the details, but we do know she was a widow for all the time, the rest of the time. God never brought a husband into her life. She never remarried. That was God's will for her, that she remain a widow all those years. And in that, she didn't say, well, I have no purpose in life. I have nothing to live for in my life. I'm a nothing, and my life is over because of this tragedy. She doesn't say that. She did not say that, and she did not live that way. What do we see her doing? Is that she found a purpose for her life in her relationship with God, and that was uh, stated there in the last phrase of verse 37, look at it there, but serve God with fastings and prayers night and day. When God did not bring a husband into her life where she was not going to be a wife anymore, she found her purpose in serving God with fastings and prayers in the temple constantly. And the truth that I see in this is not that 
that means, okay, for all you ladies, it's your greatest purpose is if you just not ever got married and you just went to the church house and prayed every day. That's, that's not the point of this. The, the point is to remind us and to stress to us is that the greatest reality of all of our lives and the greatest relationship in all of our lives is our relationship to God. That supersedes all other relationships. It supersedes marriage relationship. It's greater than a marriage relationship. And the fact that Anna never had that again, and so she had it for seven years, but she never had that again, she still had a fulfilled life, a, a purpose in life that was wonderful to her because her relationship with God was what was most important over all other relationships. And she had a fulfilled life. She had a purposeful life because she had a relationship with God. And that's something that no matter what comes in our life or what happens, that's something you will never lose. That's the foundation relationship. And that's what I want to stress, that, that our, our relationship to God is the fundamental thing of life that every one of us, that needs to be the number one focus of your life, whether you're been married several years, whether you're a young person who is anticipating marriage, or you're still in your youth. To understand the greatest relationship, fundamental relationship of life for all of us is our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. All other relationships come after that. They come in addition to that. And if some relationships don't come in addition we still have the fundamental thing of life in a relationship with God. And that's the most important thing. And that's where real purpose is found. Anna never lost that. And Anna realized and focused on that, that even though she had lost her husband and didn't have another husband, she still had a purposeful life. And her purpose was going to the temple every day and praying and having fastings and prayers and serving God. Her purpose in life was serving God. And a life lived in that way is a success and it's full and purposeful no matter what else is not in the life. Anna demonstrates that very powerfully. And so I think it's important to apply this in two ways. That if you're looking toward marriage, and anticipating future plans that most of us, most of you do. We, that's just what God's put in our heart. That's how God's planned life. And the usual path of life that God has prepared us for and given us a desire for is to be married, to have a family, to have a marriage relationship. And it is perfectly fine to look forward to that. But as you look forward to it, you need to learn this important truth and have this anchor in your heart is that as you look forward to that, to realize that the greatest relationship and the most important relationship and the purpose really of your life is to have a relationship with God, first and foremost. And that that's the foundation that you build everything else off of. And that if you have that foundation, 
Whatever God's plan for you down the road is, you can, whatever it turns out to be, you still have a purposeful life if you have that foundation in place. And whatever comes down the road, it might be different than what you're anticipating. It might turn out differently than you think. Your life's not over. If some human relationship turns out different, it, your life's not over when you have that foundational relationship in place. And that's what we see in Anna's life. She lost it. She thought she was going to live with that husband and grow old together. Like every married couple, they think they're going to, you know, live out all their years on the earth in their older years and, and grow old together. Nobody expects a mate to die. Anna didn't, but that's what happened in her life. But her life wasn't over because she had this in place. And maybe she had to learn it. I don't doubt she maybe had to go through the process of understanding this. And this is why it's such valuable for us to have it in Scripture and to talk about it for all of us, especially you there in your younger years, that you put your first focus and your first energy into your first relationship, and that's your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that's the foundation of your life. And whatever then God allows you to have on top of that then that's his blessing and that's his will for you. And, and whatever doesn't happen or whatever you lose in one of those relationships in the days ahead, you can have an anchor that holds your soul with your relationship with God. And that's what Anna had. She had that foundation, that anchor, and it sustained her through that calling for her to be a widow for the rest of her life. Her relationship with God was first and foremost and was the real foundation of her life. If you make a relationship with a husband or a wife, a human relationship, a marriage relationship, the foundation of your life, if that never comes to be or if you lose that, you will, you're, you will fall apart and you feel like your life's over. But if your relationship with God is your anchor and your foundation, your primary relationship, then when you experience losses, you will mourn, you will be saddened, but you won't fall apart because that relationship will anchor you and hold you up. And that's what Anna experienced in her life. And she found her purpose in serving God, even if God never brought her another husband, and he didn't. But she still had a fulfilled life. She still had a purposeful life. And here now, she even winds up in the pages of Scripture in the New Testament to be a testimony to every generation that came after her. And to a lot of young ladies, I believe. And this, great tr and this important truth that you don't put all of your hopes and your aims on another person even in the context of a marriage relationship, if you do that, you're putting your, you're building your life on the shifting sand that Jesus talked about that can be lost. It can be here and gone. And then you feel like I've lost everything. But if we anchor our life on Jesus as the rock, our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then the storm may come, the wind may blow, but our house will stand strong. And that was the life of Anna. And so 
you that are looking forward to marriage, learn that perspective. Begin to put that into your mind and your heart that you may like to get married one day, you hope to get married one day, but whatever God's will is for you, your life finds its purpose in your relationship with Jesus Christ and your service to Him. And then you'll see what God's will is for you in the days ahead. The second way I'd apply it is for us that are married is this same truth applies, is that our most important, the most important reality in our life is not our marriage relationship. It is our relationship with God and Jesus Christ. That is first and foremost. And we need to have our first priority on that as the foundation for our marriage relationship. And with that foundation in place, then we can have the proper marriage that we need to have. And that if whatever happens, if there is a loss, then we don't fall apart. Our life's not over. Is God is the anchor because that's the primary relationship. And we enjoy the blessings God gives us, but if those blessings are taken away, then we still praise Him, we still serve Him, and we still seek Him because our primary relationship is with God. And we have to come and say like with, like with Job in the Old Testament and say the Lord has given the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we keep going. That's what Job did when he lost all of his children, lost all of his possessions. He kept going. And God sustained him and led him in his life from then on. And that's the great lesson is our primary relationship is our relationship with God, not in a marriage relationship. Well, I think there's a third lesson we see from Anna's life as she, her relationship with God was the strength in her adversity. Her relationship with God was her purpose in life. And third, her relationship with God allowed her to have joy as she looked toward the future. In verse, the last verse there, coming into that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord. She's joyful. She's rejoicing and spoke of him to all those who look for redemption in Jerusalem, look to the future. And she spoke of Jesus and she recognized this was the, uh, the Messiah. And she is rejoicing. She's happy of the future. She's saying, rejoice. We're looking forward to the redemption and, he, and the redemption is going to come through this baby, through the Lord Jesus and he's going to bring forgiveness of our sins, and he's going to bring in the future peace on the earth. Several of the songs we sang this morning said that truth. We look forward to peace to come on the earth. Right now, there's not peace. There's no peace. There's a lot of hate, a lot of fighting, a lot of killing, a lot of war. But Jesus is that Prince of Peace, and He's going to bring that peace to the earth. And we're, that's one of the things we're looking forward to. And we can rejoice in that. Hannah, Hannah looked forward to the future with all the adversities in her life. And she was a widow who spent every day praying in the temple. Most people would look at her life and say, oh, how sad. What a sad, sad life. But Hannah wasn't sad. Hannah was rejoicing. She was happy. She was fulfilled. She was giving thanks. And part of it was looking to the future. She knew would come through that baby, baby Jesus. And we have that same truth.
There's a lot that could discourage us today. There's a lot that we could get, that we could be sad about today. But our joy from the Lord comes as we look to the future. We look forward to the redemption that will come in Jesus. And I find myself praying more and more, feeling more and more, Lord Jesus, come. Come and stop all of this mess. Bring your righteousness on the earth. Bring your peace. Bring your kingdom. That's what we need, and that's what will be the most enjoyable thing that we can experience. And it's looking to the future. Anna had a focus on the future. She was much like Abraham, who realized, had come to realize through God teaching him that he didn't put all of his, his, his hopes and his desires weren't in this world. He didn't look for the uh, city there to dwell in. It says he traveled around and he looked for the city whose maker and builder is God in the future. And Anna had realized, learned this, that she didn't put her hopes in this life. She looked to the future and the future redemption that Jesus would bring and that's what he'll do when he comes when he comes the second time he will complete his work of redemption and he will resurrect us and give us the completion of our salvation right now our spirit is saved our spirit has been made alive through the Holy Spirit our our um, our soul our physical life fleshly life here on the earth is in a process of being sanctified our bodies our bodies are still in its dead state. We're dying and we will die. We'll go through death or we'll be changed in, a, in an instant and we'll be given a new body. And on that day, our bodies will be saved and our salvation will be completed and we'll have a new life in a new world. This present life will be over and we have all of the future to look forward to. That's what true life really is. It's not in this world. This world is only temporary and we look forward to the redemption that will come through Jesus and be centered there at Jerusalem where they were at, where Jesus will reign from and He will rule over the world in the new life. And so Anna gives us a lesson about looking forward to the future and that is important for us to think about today. So great testimony from Anna of keeping our focus first and foremost on God. Our relationship with God, relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important relationship of all. And so I encourage you in this new year to seek first the kingdom of God. Seek your relationship with Jesus first and foremost over all things. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, you need to repent and receive Him into your life. It is the most important thing in all of your life to have a relationship with Jesus, with God. That is the meaning of life. And Anna is a great testimony to that. Well, let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for these great truths in the life of this godly lady of great age and the lessons that you taught her about seeking you in all things through adversity, through loss, 
and above all other relationships. Help us to learn this lesson. Help us to be focused on this truth so that we have the right perspectives about life and what will come in the days ahead. Help us to put our relationship with you above all others. Help us to serve you in all that you want us to do in each of our lives. We thank you as we look toward the future. We rejoice and give thanks that we know the kingdom is, is going to come. That you are going to come, Lord Jesus, and you are going to restore all things. And you are going to lead the creation forward and lead us in all of your plans for us in the future. And it won't be the end when that happens. It'll really just be the beginning of experiencing life as it was meant to be. And we rejoice in you, give you praise, and thanks for all that, that you give us to look forward to in the future. And thank you for making it possible through your death and resurrection and laying down your life to pay for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.